Good morning, First City. We're going to give this another try. Uh, the wonderful world of live streaming technology, figuring these things out. Uh, so thanks for your patience. Hopefully this time this will work and we'll, we'll stay with you. Uh, my name is Chris. If this is your first time joining us, thank you for being patient. Glad you're with us. Uh, just by way of quick introduction again, uh, our hope this morning is that you would experience the grace and the love of Jesus, uh, both through this live stream and liturgy. Uh, we're taking a bit of a hybrid approach. Uh, this live stream, which will be a call to worship and a message, is meant to be a sort of community touch point for us where we uh, gather ourselves, albeit remotely, around the Word of God and center ourselves on the Word of God. And then the provided liturgy for you is a way to enter into uh, worship with your family. And so if you're joining us on our website, you can find that liturgy both uh, listed out for you or there's a sheet you can download. If you're on Facebook Live, uh, hit the link, go to our website, and you can either view or download the liturgy there. And again, both of these elements uh, are intended to be a, a way for you to worship this morning as a family in this season of social distancing. Uh, one other thing, if there's any way that we can pray for you or serve you, please let us know. Uh, on our website, you'll see a link where you can fill out a form to uh, send us prayer requests or practical needs that we could meet. Uh, know that there is a church community ready and willing to serve in any way that they can. I've had multiple people ask me uh, the past two weeks, hey, are there any needs that people have that we can meet? And I've had to say, hey, at this point, um, we don't know, but we're trying to, to collect that information and hear from people. And so uh, if you are in that situation, please know that there are people ready and willing to serve. If you don't have a church home and you're watching this and you're in the Bellevue or Papillion, Sarpy County area, uh, please hit that form. Uh, don't, don't feel embarrassed. Don't feel like you're putting us out or imposing. We want to love you and serve you in any way that we can. Uh, so know that that resource is there as well. So with all of that, a way of introduction, I want to call us to worship this morning from Psalm 63, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. So our prayer this morning is that we gather for worship, that we would be satisfied and find our joy in the Lord this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of technology. Uh, even with a little bit of a hiccup this morning, uh, we trust that you are at work and we trust that you are going to move through your word. And so I pray that you would stir in our hearts just deeper affection for you, deeper affection for Jesus. Uh, may, we, may our faith grow. May we put our hope more deep, deeply in you this morning, knowing that you're at work, knowing that your grace is sufficient and that your power is greater than any pandemic or any uh, inconvenience or uncertainty that we face. And so may uh, we rest in that truth and that hope this morning as we spend time reflecting on your word. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's one of the most used and posted verses in the Bible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
We use this anytime we're in need of inspiration or encouragement to face any obstacle, whether it be in school, whether it be in our job, whether it be in marriage, parenting, athletics, wherever the challenge is, there is Philippians 4.13 ready with a word of encouragement to help us face the challenge. I mean, we slap this thing on postcards and greeting cards and, and posters and signs. We hang it in our homes. We tattoo it on our bodies. Athletes write it on their shoes. It's a, it's a fairly prevalent verse of encouragement. And it is a good word of encouragement that we have the strength of Christ in any challenge or situation. But I wonder how many of us know this verse in its actual context. Uh, yes, Christ's strength is available to us in all situations. But Philippians 4.13 has something particular in mind. The Apostle Paul is not just giving a general word of encouragement. He's speaking to something very specific that is actually incredibly relevant and precise to our situation in this season of responding to COVID-19. So I want to read Philippians 4, 10 through 13. This is what the Apostle Paul writes. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So mentioned last week that the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the, the Philippian church from prison. He has been persecuted, He's been, he has suffered for the cause of Christ, and so now he has been isolated, he's away from them, and he's writing to a church that is also experiencing hardship and persecution. And in the midst of this letter, Paul says, hey, I, am, I rejoice in the Lord, I am thankful that you care for me, you, you are showing concern for me, you're trying to meet my needs even though I am in prison. But at the same time, Paul also says that while he appreciates their care and concern, there's a sense where he doesn't need it. There's a sense where his soul is going to be okay, even if they're unable to care for him and support him. Well, what he is saying is that there is a state in his soul that transcends and really is greater than his circumstances. And in the midst of his circumstances, in the midst of trial and suffering, what his soul has found is the ability to become content. That the strength of Christ working in his heart has empowered him to be content, regardless of the situation, whether he is in wealth or whether he's in poverty, whether he has an abundance of resources or lacking resources, whether he has his freedom to move around and move around the world and proclaim the gospel, or whether he is in prison. Regardless, his soul is content because of the strength of Christ in him. So I wonder, how does that sound to you as far as the power of God working in you? Does that sound as if that is something truly powerful in you, working in you through the Spirit of God? Because on the surface, I mean, think of this. When we think of how the power of Christ works in us to help us overcome obstacles and challenges and trials and struggles, there's some ways where that can seem um, particularly powerful in that there's an obvious way that we're overcoming a challenge. That there's an actual change in our circumstances that we endured or we were able to accomplish something in the face of overwhelming odds. And that is often the way that we think about the power of God working in us, is, is we see that being able to work through and overcome outwardly. 
But what Paul is talking about here is something inward. It's a power that I think many of us fail to give proper place to and really take seriously. And here's why. Because we're so often driven by circumstance. We are so often led by how things are going around us and for us. Or we're so often led by whether or not we're successful in life. And what Paul is pointing to is that there's a power of Christ that is at work to transform us, regardless of whether our circumstances are good or bad, regardless of whether we're successful or we're blowing it left and right. That, that the power of Christ at work in us goes deeper and deeper. And this power actually is important because if you think about the way our culture tries to shape us, well, what are we taught to chase? More wealth, more success, more status, more comfort. And as long as we're able to achieve those and accomplish those, well, then we're great. We feel great about ourselves. We feel good emotionally. But the moment we fail in those things, then we begin to fall apart. And so Philippians 4.13 is speaking of a power that we so desperately need a power that is at work in us in these times of uncertainty and difficulty because here's the truth, here's the reality. Our lives have been upended. Our, our, our lives are now, we're facing inconvenience and uncertainty and in some ways in an unprecedented manner. And we don't know how long this is gonna last. So the question for us is can we endure? Can, can we thrive spiritually under these circumstances? Like, I think most of us right now have somewhat of an expectation that this is going to end maybe in a couple months or a couple weeks or maybe by the end of the summer. And so I think we're starting to sort of emotionally come to grips with that and, and start to cope and adjust. But what if this lasts longer? What if this goes into the fall or into next year? What if there's actually no end in sight for the foreseeable future? How are you going to respond there? What if the inconvenience and the uncertainty and the challenge just keeps going on and on and on and on? Yeah, I think we'll learn how to function. We'll respond and we'll learn how to live our lives and get through our days. But how are we going to do so spiritually? Are we going to do those things when we're angry and angsty and upset? doubting God's goodness, questioning whether or not he loves us and is present with us and cares for us? Or are we going to do it with a sense of calm and quiet, trusting in the Lord, rejoicing in the Lord, being able to say whether this pandemic ends tomorrow or it ends a year from now, I'm content. I, I can live with this sense of contentment. I can live with the sense that I trust the Lord in his goodness. That's the power of Christ we want to seek in this season. This is how we are going to redeem the time, church, by not just, allow, not just simply functioning during this time and just sort of getting through this time, but actually learning what it means to be content in this time, to depend upon the power of God so that that work is going on in our soul. And so that's what I want to briefly reflect on and consider for us this morning. I want to look at a little bit more closely what contentment is, and then I also want to talk about how we learn to do that. So first, let's reflect for a moment. What is contentment exactly? Well, the basic definition of contentment is this, a state of happiness or satisfaction. And we've all felt this before. We've all felt moments of contentment where we're in circumstances that are just so pleasant, so joyful, that they bring such happiness and satisfaction that we don't need to be anywhere else. We don't need to be with anyone else. 
where we could stay in that moment forever. And we would be joyful, we'd be happy, and we'd be satisfied. I mean, think of circumstances in your life where you've experienced this sense of contentment. I'm thinking back to uh, last summer when Mindy and I were on vacation, and part of our vacation, we spent four days at the happiest place on earth, Disney World. And we went to the different parks, and it was an incredible time. I was with my favorite person, hanging out in one of the most enjoyable places that you can spend time in. And I was content. I was just thinking, I don't need any, to be with anybody else. I don't really need to do anything else. It was just such a joyful, fun, happy experience. I was just satisfied. And sometimes I even think back to uh, that time over the summer and just how much I enjoyed that. That's that sense of contentment. That, that's what it means to be completely happy and satisfied in a moment or with particular people. And here's the beauty of contentment. One, it allows us to be completely present because we're so happy and satisfied with where we are. We're not distracted by anything else. Where we are is enough. Who we're with is enough. What we're doing is enough. We're not thinking about anything else. And so when we're content, we can be present in some pretty beautiful ways. The power of contentment, too, is how it sets us free from temptation. Like, if I'm content with where I am and I'm content with what I have, then other things aren't going to tempt me. I'm not going to be looking to other things for joy and satisfaction. I'm not going to be pulled away by other things. And so contentment has a beauty and contentment has a power to it. But here's the problem with merely earthly contentment, which is so often the kind of contentment you and I experience. One, it's based on circumstances, and two, it doesn't last. Because it's based on circumstances, it doesn't last. And so, yeah, we're content when everything goes our way. When we get what we want, when, when we're successful, when, when the, the, the object that we were chasing after or the goal that we sought to accomplish or the comfort that we pursue or the relationships that we want to have, when all of that is working in our favor, well, we can feel content. Well, we can feel a sense of happiness. We can feel a sense of satisfaction. But the problem is, is that circumstances never stay the same. Life is constantly changing. And so we're not always successful. Things don't always add up. We're not always accomplishing our goals. We're not always in a, a state of comfort. Affliction and suffering come. Failure come. Hardships come. So what happens in our souls when we don't get what we want? Do we become angsty and angry and upset? Do we lose that sense of contentment? And then we start running and chasing after it in other ways? So, so let me just give you a, a little bit of a, a diagnostic test here. Just in a moment, reflect, where are you experiencing a level of discontentment? If you were to be honest with your soul right now, where do you feel that sense of unease, where you're not happy, you're not satisfied, there's a lack of joy. And then ask yourself this question, is it because you're not getting what you want? Now, I'm not asking you at this moment to, to assess whether or not what you want is good or bad. I'm just saying, is it not true that the reason you're discontent is because you're not getting what you want? Life is not lining up in the way that you want. Here's the other side of this, though. What what we learn from the lives of people who are particularly famous or successful is that things like success and wealth and comfort don't bring contentment either. 
I'm, I was thinking of uh, Tom Brady. Uh, those of you that are NFL fans, uh, last week the big news was that Tom Brady left the Patriots after 20 years of being the quarterback and now is going to be the quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's such a weird thing. It was like Michael Jordan going to the Wizards. It just didn't feel right. And one of the things about Tom Brady that he's been no- known for is his drive. The fact that he was never satisfied with just one Super Bowl or two Super Bowls or three Super Bowls. In fact, after he won his third Super Bowl back in 2005, he was interviewed about this sense of discontentment uh, that, that he feels on a daily basis. And this is what he said. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what is important. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I think, God, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. So even a man at the pinnacle of success, and he went on to win three more Super, Super Bowl championships. He's married to a supermodel. He has wealth, success. He has a family. By, by all human standards, this guy has achieved what anybody would want to achieve. And yet, he's discontent. And if you read interviews with him uh, later in life, in the past couple of years, echoes very similar sentiment. And we see this in other athletes and wealthy and successful businessmen or movie stars or whoever else we sort of deem as having achieved the pinnacle of success. That the thing is, is abundance doesn't bring us contentment. That's why the Apostle Paul said, hey, I've learned how to be content even in abundance because abundance has its own set of temptations in the way they can pull us away from contentment. So here's the problem then. The problem goes deeper than just our circumstances. The problem is the sin in our heart. The problem is, is that we, rather than seeking joy and satisfaction in the Lord, we run after it in selfish ways. We seek satisfaction in our own status, our own success, our own wealth, building out an identity for ourselves independent of God. And the problem with that, among many different problems, is 